guys, welcome back to Arsenio's ESL Podcast. I am your host. Oh my god, Arsenio as usual. And today, I's got me some Lisa's on. Lisa, I've actually brought on to uh, another podcast I do with another co-host by the name of Luke Burrows. Lisa from Wales, I am so grateful you are the second or third Welsh person I've ever met in my life. So this is a special honor. How you doing, Lisa? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Fantastic. So, uh, Lisa, the platform is yours. I want you to tell everyone all that you do. Okay, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> okay, so I, I was born in southwest Wales in a very, very, very small county called Pembrokeshire. Grew up, um, I wouldn't say stereotypically in a Welsh surrounding, but there were sheep, <laughs> there were lots of farms. Um, very friendly people as Welsh people we're, we're kind of very friendly and I grew up and I just felt like where I was I just had a bigger dream than the place I was in so I went through my life kind of feeling like a bit of an odd sheep um, no one really dreamed as big as me and um, I took a leap when I was 18 I came out of college and I just decided you know if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it and I decided to follow my path and that path was to be a professional actress. Um, along that journey, I've had so many ups and downs, so many. Um, I got involved into network marketing when I was about 21. And it was great, like amazing, amazing thing to get involved in. I find found personal development through that. And I guess now I'm in a position where I have gone through living in a place called Manchester for three years, did the whole acting scene, worked in a bar, hated the hours, really unsociable times to work. Then I moved to Cardiff in Southwest Wales, the capital of Wales. I worked there for a year in a corporate company and I just got sick to death of doing a rubbish job that I didn't like. I was unfulfilled and I just thought, what is it you want to do in your life, Lisa? And I knew that it was performing arts. I knew I wanted to, to teach kids and I knew I wanted to become a professional actress myself and help other people. So my journey kind of started. I feel like I've been reborn again from November last year. Right. I packed up all my stuff. I told my parents I was going to move to London and I moved. And now I'm nearly six months into moving to London. I'm working as a teaching assistant. I teach kids performing arts a couple of um, evenings a week. And I'm a digital entrepreneur and I'm chasing my professional actress dream. So that's a quick introduction to my crazy life. But yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Man, Lisa is the jack of all trades. I'm just amazed, <laughs> man. Like I heard you explain somewhat, you know, this on the same Motivational Mentors uh, podcast. But oh yeah. my goodness, that is amazing. So here we go. I'm going to give you something real good. I'm going to ask you a real good question right now. So when you said you start teaching kids performing arts, um, you mm -hmm. coming up in school, of course, you were born out there in Wales, obviously. You went to school out there. How much different do you think the children you were around back in the day? I'm sure it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> and now, It was quite a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the kids that, of course, you teach out there in England, how much of a difference is there? Because no one ever talks about Wales, man. The only person I know from I know. the only two people I know <laughs> is Craig Bellamy, the football player, and that's because he smacks people all the time, and Tom Jones. <laughs> and I didn't even know Tom Jones was from uh, from Wales until someone told me. That. Yeah. Said, no way. 
he's the king of Wales, Tom Jones. Yeah, it, do you know what? It's it's um, I grew up very differently to the kids that I teach nowadays in London. I think there's a big cultural difference. There's a big um, difference in terms of. I just didn't grow up knowing what kids know nowadays and even what was accessible to us. Like I lived in a very small town and when I found performing arts when I was 11, I I was at a point where I was like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I was really like, I loved sports and I thought, well, maybe I just want to be a PE teacher and like physical education teacher. And then I thought, I, I don't really get a buzz. When I'm doing sports, I don't really feel excited. Like I just, it releases energy for me and it feels good to kick a ball around or run around with a hockey stick or mm-hmm. throw a netball. But I didn't get the sense of fulfillment at such a young age. And I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do from being young. I knew I wanted to do something creative. But that that profession honestly saved me. It really did save me. And I think that that is throughout, I, I think, the world. Being creative as a as a child and and opening up that that side because you have to be so confident to get on stage and so confident to stand in front of a class full of children that are judging you and are watching you and you're taking on this character. And where I grew up, I didn't have the confidence the kids have in London. I did not have that confidence, and I I find it crazy when I go into these um, performing arts skills up in London how much difference it is living in a city. They've got to think about so many things, you know, the traveling. Like I, I could walk to where my school was and like you can't do that in London. You need to get a car or you need to go on an underground. There's kids taking buses that are like 11. Like I wouldn't be able to go on a bus at 11. I wouldn't even know how to get myself around. Right. It is absolutely <laughs> crazy. So I think the biggest thing for me that I've noticed the difference is just the, the confidence. I It took me a while to be confident to stand in front of people. And even the people that I grew up with, especially in the performing arts sector, they were all there because they didn't really know what they wanted to do. And they were very unconfident. We were all quite shy. Um, I don't know why. Whilst people are outgoing, we're very outgoing characters. But when you get you get brought up in a very small place, you're around small, narrow-minded people and not in a bad way, but you just really don't know what you want to do. And when you feel like you dream big, you feel like it's wrong. Like, I shouldn't really be dreaming big. And in, a, in London, the kids are dreaming huge. They, they want to be entrepreneurs. I have kids coming up to me all the time. Like, I've got my own YouTube channel. Come and subscribe to it. And I'm, they're like 9, 10. And I'm like, okay, great. That's amazing. <laughs> but like, what a difference. And I think it's obviously, we're talking, I'm 27 now. I, I started doing it when I was 11. So it's a good 16 years difference times change, technology is now more available. But the biggest difference for me was the confidence that these kids have in London compared to Welsh kids. I find it baffling. I really do. It's crazy. And you think that's because, do you think the tides have changed? Because again, we don't get taught, you know, confidence or there aren't confidence courses in any of these curriculums around the world. So how no, is it that these people ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to be confident now. I think it happened to me here in time. You know what? No, I think my ugh, before 14, I was scared. And then I started hanging around this guy by the name of Carlos. And Carlos to this day is still one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. The more I hung around with him, the more I was him. And so I do believe, you know, the whole, you know, the saying, you are who your closest five friends are. And I believe that 
between 2002 and 2004, those were the most pivotal moments of my life because uh, Carlos allowed me to be myself unapologetically. So do you think you had any influence from your friends or anyone you were around? Oh yeah, 100%. I I was in a, a friendship group that um, they were nothing like me. Mm. I was always the odd sheep out. Every single time we'd go out, um, I would always be the odd sheep out. Nobody was like me. Mm. I used to honestly feel like I was just really strange because I used to do a lot of writing. I used to write poems. I used to write what I didn't realize at the time was monologues. Um, I used to just write stories. And I had one friend who's still my friend to this day. We grew up together. She's my only, my longest, truest friend. And she was the only other person that was like me. We we both loved singing. We both loved acting. We were a bit nuts. We liked being fun and enjoying ourselves. But there were people we were surrounding ourselves with that never were like us. Right. And yeah, I mean, I had a really strong courage. I don't know, from a young age, I always kind of, as soon as I discovered acting, I knew that was my path. I knew I really wanted to do it. But if I didn't have the courage to, because I, I have a lot of friends back in the day that I, I'm not friends with now. And I think there's a reason for that. I think subconsciously, those people were affecting the way I thought about myself and the dreams that I feel like I can achieve. Mm. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't dismiss those friends if we got back in touch, but I would be very cautious of how much time I would spend with them because I am not like a lot of my friends, even friends today. I'm not like a lot of my friends. And my friends say to me, God, you're such a big dreamer. And even now, like there's so many things I want to do that feel to them unrealistic. And, but they don't bring me down for that. They're like, that's incredible. Whereas back when I was a teenager, I would get told I'm absolutely crazy. Like you ain't going to be an actress. Like grow up. You're never going to be on a billboard. Like you're from Pembrokeshire. No one makes it in Pembrokeshire. That's all I heard growing up. Like, my mum was the only person who believed in me. She would constantly tell me, you are talented, you're going to make it. Like, when I see you on stage or when I see you performing, that is where you light up and you need to believe in yourself. And, like, I only... Like, my mum is my best friend still to this day. She supported me through everything. But I never had a good, strong foundation with my friends. They were happy to just be silly and grow up and and make the wrong mistakes. And you do get sucked into it, obviously. Mm. But... I had a way to get myself out and that was performing arts. If I didn't find acting, I don't know where I'd be right now. It was my escape route. It was my way to stop me from getting into trouble or stop all the little things that we do as teenagers when we try to discover ourselves um, from going out to parties when you shouldn't be going out and lying to your parents about, oh, I'll be back at this time, but really I'm, I'm not going to be back at that time. I'm going to be back later. Right. All those things that I was like, well, everyone else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. I let myself be a sheep from the age of 13 to 15. And then at 15, I slowly realized that I was just following everyone else's steps and not taking my own. And I think that's quite a big thing to think about at such a young age. 15 is a young age, you know. Mm. I was starting to become a young woman and I realized that the people I was surrounding myself with were making me a bad person and I wasn't a bad person. And I had to rediscover myself. And that's when I decided from school that I would go on to college and I would do musical theatre in college because I realised from a young age that these people are no good for me. They really are no good for me. And I deserve better from my friends. And I was able to handpick my friends. And then friends through college are friends that I'm still friends with now. They're people that 
are the same as me. They dream big. They want to do all these amazing things. And I finally, at that age, found good friends that were similar to me because when you grow up and you feel like you're different to everyone else, it can feel quite lonely. Your world can feel quite lonely because I spent a lot of time on my on myself, by myself. I was writing a lot and you can you can write about a lot of things. And I, I look back on those things now and I think, oh my God, I, I sounded really sad. Mm. And I wasn't sad. It was just that I felt like I didn't have close friends. And the only one close friend that I had, we were doing those type of things together. We were writing together. We would get the piano out. She'd play the piano and we'd sing together and write songs together. Um, she was the only person who made me feel like I could be myself. Same with, with your friend, Carlos. I could unapolog- unapologetically be myself. And no other person in my life, apart from my mother, would make me feel that way. I always felt like I was explaining myself, you know, like, this is the reason I'm doing this and this is the reason I'm doing that. And finding one person that was able to say, you're okay to be yourself, like you had with your friends, it made such a big impact on my life growing up. And I mean, I'm I'm so blessed that she is still my closest friend. Her daughter's my goddaughter. Um, I've just seen her now. She literally just came to my house and, and went about 30 minutes ago. So it really is true when you surround yourself with good people, especially people who are close to you, you end up becoming like them. And if I end up coming like her or we have similar traits, I, I'm I'm good with that because she helped ground me as a, as a woman. Wow, man. That, that, you know, and especially what you just said right there, the grounding. Um, Someone just said that to me. As a matter of fact, yeah, Filipino author that I know. She was like, you need three types of people around you. And one of the people were you need people that keep you grounded when you do make it. You know what I mean? Because now when you're in the the entire actress, you know, you're an actress now, you still need those people to say, hey, you know, you got it. All right. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're ultra successful. But remember, you you stay grounded. You're not above anyone else. We're all human beings, too. You know what I mean? That's why uh-huh. I got to keep those people around me. So like with Carlos and my best friend, Andre, who I just did a podcast with, because um, he's from Puerto Rico, obviously. And so I put him on here. But yeah, me and him, he grounded me. He gave me a big piece of humble pie when we spoke for that hour. That was the most honest conversation I had in about more than a decade. And Mm -hmm. that was the most powerful conversation I had with him probably ever. Because we went to some places where we were bringing back some memories and looking back and saying, God damn, I can't believe I did. You know, we did these things. We did that. We did this. But it was all part of the learning process. So. Yo, what I really wanted to focus on real quick was uh, these limited beliefs, the geographical blueprints. You know what I mean? Like, how could someone say, oh, you're from this area, so no one from there makes it? You were able to shut off the noise. We're going to make this an actionable step for everyone out there. How did you shut off that noise? I think I just believed in myself, Mm. and I... I now have, and I had back then, like a focus, something to aim for. And I was always the type of person who wanted to prove people wrong. And I get a lot of people saying to me, like, you're not going to make it, you're not going to do this. And then when I I started getting quite a few big things when I was 14, 15, um, I was in an ITV program, which is a a station in the UK. Mm -hmm. You've got BBC and you've got ITV. And they're they're kind of like two of the biggest um, network stations in the UK. And I got on a show on ITV when I was really young. And that was my first kickback at people that were telling me that, oh, you can't act and this and that. And 
you dream too big and all this stuff. And why are you dancing? Why are you singing? Why are you acting? And that was my cake in the face type of moment. And I remember the feeling where I was in school, I was in high school and they announced it on, you know, when they do the tannoy, like when, when you're in school and they announced that I was on ITV. And I remember all the people who pretended to be my friends just suck up to me like I was the most amazing person like oh my god oh I I knew you'd make it anyway like obviously like you're my best friend right and I was like oh I see how this is so people now think because I'm doing well that they can now suck up to me and be my friend and I could have easily been the type of girl who was like yeah I know I've made it and I was like yeah and that's also the reason that I've done it to prove to you that I could make it and I was like and this is just the start this is just the start and I like I said, that one friend, that my friend, Sarah Jane, her name is, she was the only person who, when all of this was going on, she was like, don't forget who you are, though. Just remember, you're going to have all these things and you're going to have people saying you're amazing, but remember who you are and don't forget that. And I was like, at the time, I'd be thinking, okay, because confidence can get to you, especially when at such a young age, you're doing big things like that. And as well as being on ITV, I also did like an educational film and it went around all the schools and colleges around um, my area in Pembrokeshire. So I would go to these events and we do like live scenes on stage where audience would think we actually are the people in this documentary. And it got to me a little bit, you know, I, I felt, I don't want to say invincible. I spoke about this on a podcast last night, but I let confidence get to me too much. I felt like well, now I've proved to everyone, like I am invincible and I felt invincible. And then having a friend like my friend, Sarah Jane and my mum to ground me, it was what I needed. And also no's, getting no's, getting people saying to me, no, you're not good enough or no this and no that. I remember going to drama school auditions and every single one of them in my face telling me no. And I remember that feeling of, oh, that hit. <laughs> like, what do you mean no? Like, I thought I was good. Like I've I've just been on ITV and I've just done this amazing documentary. What do you mean? No. Well, no, we're not, we don't think you're right for the school. You need this. You need that. You need to go get some life experience or you need to go get more training. And I just didn't get it at the time because I let my head take over. I let people's opinions because I let those opinions not get to me and I brushed them off. Then when I proved myself at that age, I let confidence take over. And it took me a while to get myself back down to grounding and actually realizing I'm a humble person. I've always been this way. I'm kind. I don't need to be this way. I've heard a no now and that no hit me. And it really, those no's hit me. I remember crying four weeks when I heard those no's. I thought I'd get in drama school straight after college. There was no question in my mind. I've got this role. I've been told I'm, I'm decent at singing. I've been told I'm a great actress. I can dance. I've got loads of different dance stars behind me. So when I went to these auditions and I was getting no after no after no after no, I was like, oh my God. And it really hit me. And I was so emotional and upset about it because that felt like my dream was just crashing. And I mean, I was only 17, nearly 18. And I felt like everything was just going wrong. And I, and I remember those people in my life telling me like, this is just the start for you. Like, they grounded me, but they also gave me the confidence back, but step-by-step confidence, not you're amazing, you're going to make it. It was like, that had to come from me, if that makes sense. I had to know that I was going to make it, but I had to have those people in my life to tell me that, no, Lisa, you've heard a no. It's kind of, feel, I feel like it's what you've need, you need to hear that. You need to hear the no, but it's not the end. You need to rebuild yourself, but bit by bit. And 
I still have those people in my life, like I said. And if I didn't have my mum, my best friend, and my I've got good friends now I've made from university, like amazing friends that I would I would call my bestest friends. Mm. And I don't have loads and loads of friends. I have important friends. Mm. I have about five, six friends that I would consider my best friends that I could trust with my life. And I don't need any more because though that circle for me is a close enough circle that I don't, and, and they, they big me up. They, they give me everything. They're telling me I look good. They tell me I'm doing great in this role. Oh, I love how you're doing this in London, but they also ground me. And I think it's so important to have people around you that make you remember who you are because it can get in your head sometimes, if that makes sense. Wow. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know what? And I just want you to emphasize that before I uh, backtrack just a little bit. Hopefully I don't lose my thought. But emphasize the fact (laughs) that you only have a couple of friends. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need a lot of friends. I think there are a lot of people out there that are having a a misconception about what's happening, especially social media. People believe that those followers, those likes, those follows, that all that garbage is something to the, it means the whole world to them. And if they lose everything, they lose themselves. But you, obviously, um, I think, you know, your social media and whatnot, or your Instagram, maybe you have a lot of uh, followers, but you don't let that get to your head. You just say, Hey, I'm very grateful. If I had this amount, this amount, this amount, but you still keep that small circle of friends around you. You can, you trust people. You don't want that many. Why is it that you took that route? Why is it what, sorry? Why is it that you took that route? Meaning in terms of, uh, hey, I just want this small group. I don't need a lot of friends. I think we can we can get a bit lost in social media and we can definitely get a bit lost in um, feeling like those people are your friends. I Don't get me wrong. I have lots of friends. I have a big, huge support on social media and I am internally grateful for that. Mm. But it's so important to just have those close friends it isn't need you don't need hundreds of friends to feel better about yourself or feel like you're going somewhere or that more people are talking about you. I have amazing friends and my social media I feel speaks what I needed to speak. And if people want to be my friend from social media, cool, you're my social media friend. Mm. And I'll meet up with you for a coffee and we'll share ideas and stuff and that's great and I and I get people asking me all the time, especially being in London now. Um, oh, do you want to meet for a coffee and share ideas? And all? like, yeah, absolutely. I, I love making new friends, but I don't think that there is any more room for more friends than I have. I don't need any more. And every single one of my friends like, benefits me in a different way. And I don't have one friend that's like the other friend at all. They're all so different. And people, they have this idea that they they need so many friends to feel like they're more popular on social media or they're more popular in life or um like I mean I see friends me and my friends make jokes about it I see like a lot of Hindus on my Instagram or a lot of Hindus on my Facebook mm. and I've got like 30 people I'm like <laughs> I struggle to get 10 let's be honest right. but I'm, I'm okay with that because I would only want people there at a special event that actually means something to me and that isn't a forced relationship that's somebody that I've chosen to be in my life and has benefited my life and I've benefited theirs. And there's a reason for them to be here. We don't need hundreds of friends. We don't need 50, 60 close friends. I think a lot of people that I know as well, they're the same as me. You know, they have only got a few small friends and I was best friends with someone in university and I thought I'd never not be best friends with her. And we just ended up drifting apart. And I never in a million years thought that. 
But when I look back, I think, oh, our relationship was unhealthy. There was reasons that it didn't work for me. Um, but I never at that time thought I would never be friends with her. But there wasn't any room for her in my life. And people think it's crazy, but it's like a relationship. When you're with somebody, there's certain things you look for. And I feel you should look for those certain things in friends as well. You should look for someone who's loyal. Look for someone who's caring. Look for someone who's got your back. Those are things that people think they should just look for in a, a man or a woman or whoever they end up wanting to spend the rest of their life with. But those friends are for my life. I've been best friends with my friend Sarah Jane for 26 years. When we were born, we were introduced. But we expect certain things from each other as, as good best friends. We call ourselves soul sisters because we feel like we were put together for a reason. And there's certain things that I would expect from my friends and they would expect from me. We have that relationship. It is a relationship. So I feel very, very close to all those six close friends that I have because they have my back, I have their back. And I don't, I don't need any more. And if I had any more close friends, fine. That's, I'm not saying I don't need it, mm. but what are we getting from it? People forget that those relationships, and I believe in this massively, relationships, unless you find the one and you're very lucky to find the one really early on, relationships come and go. And friendships are there for life. And that's friendships that are going to last and flourish. And we grow together. Like I grow with my friends. They're not just there for convenience and I ring them when I need them. Like I can ring them when I need them, but they're there because we flourish together. We have adventures together. We grow together and you can't grow with a hundred people. You spend the rest of your life just trying to find time for one person here, one person there. Um, And it's not needed in my life right now. It isn't needed. Mm. If that makes any sense at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% man. I love it. I love it so much. Oh my god! And you know, that—that's why I keep my—I keep myself a close circle of friends. I'm talking about people I can heavily rely on. And the thing mm-hmm. is, some people who are fair weathery and they kind of like disappearing. They're seasonal friends, or you know, they're kind of like branches on a tree. Sometimes they break off and they leave you high and dry, or maybe they're leaves on a tree. And sometimes the weather comes and it blows this side, blows over here. Fall comes around, they wither <laughs> off, they die off. You know what I mean? So I and I keep yeah. those people on my outside circle, but that inner circle, that's my oxygen. Those are my roots. Those are the roots to my tree, and that's what I absolutely nurture. So, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Now I'm gonna hurry up and shift some cir- uh, some focus real quick. When I went from America to Australia, it was such a difficult. It, I could not acclimate. There was no way I could get used to the accent. I thought the people were unbelievably boring. Sorry, Australians. I love you guys, but I'm just saying. When I lived in Melbourne, the Central Business District, there was a crazy variety of different people that lived there. You had the Mauritians. You had the Chinese. You had the French. It was just such a big pot of so many different cultures, which a lot of people would say, oh, my God, that's amazing. But at the same time, I felt so lonely in such a big diverse city. Now, of course, living in Bangkok, which is a mega city, I love being around a lot of people. So at any time or at that at any point when you went from Wales straight into London, was it very difficult for you to acclimate? It was to be honest, I didn't feel like I struggled at first. Nice. Um 
And I don't know why, but I have got friends from London already. So like the accents, yeah, I mean, they are completely different, but I love the London accents. I think they're really interesting. Like yeah, I've, yeah. I've done a lot of scenes where I've had to have the Cockney accent and stuff. So I kind of liked it, but there's nothing like a Welsh accent. It just makes you feel at home, especially when you're Welsh yourself. And even people who aren't from Wales always turn around to me and say, oh, there's just something about a Welsh accent that just makes you feel welcome and warm. The biggest thing that I found hard to adapt to was how rude people were in London. <laughs> um, everyone is just so in their own world and they just don't care if they barge you out the way. Or, um, I mean, I was coming back here um, Thursday and I I was working in a place in Clapham in London in South London and I I'd started putting things on the desks to try and pay. I was I had a packet of crisps, I bought some headphones because I I didn't have headphones the other day from my podcast with you and Luke did I so I knew I needed some headphones and I was in a rush and I put my stuff down and some woman was on the phone behind me and I was like, oh excuse me. She's like, excuse me please. And I was like Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like excuse me is polite enough, but okay. And then I was like, oh excuse me please. Like what in the God's name is going on? I would have cussed and her out, I, but yeah, okay, okay. I mean, I, I really wanted to, but <laughs> she did not seem in a good mood. She had, I think she's on one of those, she was on the phone, it was an angry phone call, and I thought, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk away from this situation. But that's the biggest thing for me because from when we're, people from Wales are very friendly, like we can walk down the street and just be like, Good morning, how are you? Hi, yeah. do that in London, people will look at you funny or want to slap you. If like, I'm just being real, that's how it would be. And that for me, I've just found it crazy. Like even people who work on undergrounds and trains, like I'll ask for advice for the people who are on like the desks or people who are waiting at the ticket lines and they just don't want to talk to you. I remember being lost in London and someone was like, just check the signs. That's what they're there for. And I was like, what? right. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. Not <laughs> like, yeah, it's been like, it's really hard to adapt to it. And uh, the pace of people, like I'm quite a slow walker. Oh, I don't feel like I need to rush anywhere. I leave early so I can have a chilled walk. You can't do that in London. Mm. People get in your way. Like they get angry at you because they're like, they're just really mad. They just want to get to work. And I'm like, I've left like half an hour earlier so I cannot be stressed going to work. Because the undergrounds alone stress me out. I don't want to be on the undergrounds. I hate them. People are in your face. There's no personal space. People just ram on. Like there's a there's an underground two minutes after this one. You just you can get on that one. You don't have to ram your face next to mine. But whatever, that's cool. Right. It's just a different world. And um, I remember coming into because I I took a long time to get home um, on Thursday. So I went from one, I went from London to Cardiff, central, um, obviously the capital of Wales. And then that was on a coach for four and a half hours on a bus. And then I had to change. And then I got on a train from Cardiff to Milford Haven, where I'm from. And I remember thinking, because in London, they say, this is the, for example, Piccadilly line, the doors will open on your left-hand side. And I'm waiting for this message to come up. And like, I forgot I was in Wales. So I was like, which which side's opening first? Like, I'm so confused. Like, right. what's going on? Mm. And I'm waiting for the conductor to say, the doors will open on your right-hand side or your left-hand side. And I'm like, oh, I'm in Wales now. This doesn't happen in Wales. So I feel like I've already become a Londoner, but it takes a lot of time. And I, I don't feel like I'm still there. Sometimes people talk and I'm like, what? what? Sorry, say that again. And the slang, like, they talk differently to me. 
like the way they pronounce words, the way they say words are different to how we speak in Wales. It's like, it's completely different. So that has taken a lot to adapt to, especially with children. The children in my in my class correct me. What I pronounce things. Yeah. I pronounce things a certain way and they're like, that's not how you say it, Miss Lisa. You're saying it wrong. And I'm like, right. And I have to explain like, Miss Lisa's from Wales and my accent is different than your accent. So I might say it that way. It doesn't mean it's not right. It just means it's said a different way and that's okay. And they just don't, they're only four and five. So obviously they don't really get it. But um, yeah, I have kids correcting me, honestly, because I say things in a different accent and it, it comes across as that's not the way you say it. For example, I say here, and that apparently in London, you say it in a different way. It My here sounds like herd, like a herd of people, like a herd of animals. Right. And they, I say here and herd differently to the people in London, so they don't really understand it. Right. And they correct me. They stand up and they say, that's not how you say it. Oh. You say it this way. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we're very sorry about that. I'm, t- I'm still trying to adapt to the, the different ways of saying things. I, I, I love yeah. how so jovial you are. You know, you're like when someone tries correcting you, you don't get immediately defensive. You just say, oh, well, I'm so sorry. Nah, 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 nah. I just love it. Yeah. Lisa. You have such a, your charisma is unbelievable because in those situations, <laughs> oh my God, the black is coming out. Hell's going to come down. <laughs> screaming, babies flying. Do not, I swear, you know what? When I used to work with the British folks, you know what? Working with British folks, I'm sorry for my folks out there in England, but boy, the old ones that come here for all the wrong reasons, okay? We can get mm-hmm. into that on another uh, on another basis. But they would uh, when I pronounce a word like patea, okay? That's the correct pronunciation. This British guy at the age of 769,000 years old, he was like, no, no, you don't say it like that. You say pateya, pateya, motherfucker, mother, what are you talking about? It's not pateya, pateya, and he had it wrong. He said it the wrong way. I was saying it correct. Another guy, when I said presentation, he was like, some guy from Netherlands. He was like, no, it's presentation. You should learn how to speak. Sorry, ass. I swear. When people <laughs> correct me, Lisa, I lose it. I lose it. And sp- Oh, my God. If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. If I'm not asking, if I'm trying to speak Thai, okay, I'm going to ask my Thai people, how do you say this? How do you say that? If you're correct in my English and your native tongue is English, you're going to get a face full of of bad words. So back up <laughs> off me. So I love I yeah. love that you you are the greatest mentor. You're the greatest <laughs> You keep your I'm very cool. patient. <laughs> yes. You keep your cool in everything. So oh my god. I hate <sighs> getting stressed. Like I hate um, especially when you you can't tell a kid off. Like, how dare you tell me it's right. not right? They just start crying. <laughs> I'd be like, sorry, sorry, I just got. But yeah, and you know what? This is why sometimes, because I mean, I, Welsh people are quite hot headed. They usually say how it is, especially certain parts, like Cardiff girls. You just won't. I, a lot of my friends are from Cardiff, and I'm just a complete opposite of them. If they get into a situation where there's confrontation. They are right in there. And I'm just there like, can we just love and peace? Let's just be happy. And it's all going to be okay. And they're like, no, Lisa, you need to understand. She didn't say that. And I'm like, okay, just calm down. <laughs> so I feel like I'm just not a true Welsh girl, you know, because Welsh women especially are quite like, 
quick to respond and hot headed. And I'm not, I'm not really like that because I just don't, I'm, I'm very much about like conserving my energy for the right things. And, Uh. and to be honest with you, like, obviously I do sound different. And like they tell my teacher, my teacher's from Melbourne, Australia. And they tell her like, you sound funny. (laughs) They're just kids. They don't, they don't know, do they? They're just, they're just kids. So they're, um, they're quite, it's quite comical coming into class sometimes because we'll say certain words. And my teacher, my friend from Australia, her name's Stephanie, and she, she says certain things and I'm like, oh, you don't say it that way. You're saying it wrong. Like she's called data, data. She calls it data. And I'm like, it's data. And she's like, no, it's data. And I'm like, okay, you say it your way, but oh wait, we don't say it like that. <laughs> I'm like, it just sounds wrong. It just, but whatever. I'm not going to mock your accent. It's cool. But sometimes we have a laugh about it. She makes fun of mine and I make fun of hers. And we got another teaching assistant who is like from London, Cockney, born and bred. So when she talks then, the kids are like, they don't correct her. They wouldn't correct her because she would, she would tell them straight. But with me, they do, they tell me that you don't say it that way, Miss Lisa. That's wrong. I'm like, oh, very sorry. How'd you say it then? <laughs> and they tell me. They tell me all the time. It's funny. You never know what's going to happen with the kids I work with. You go in every day and you just think, hmm, what's going to happen today? Because we've got some characters in there, some really big characters. Right. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And, of course, being a teacher out here in Thailand is damn near the same. So, oh, my God. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing those stories. Before I let you go, tell me how to say or teach us how to say how are you in Welsh. Um, How are you is sit oiti. Sit oiti. Sit oiti. And if you want to say your name, it's really simple. You would just say Lisa Adui. Okay. So I say Arsenio Adui. Mm-hmm. And if you want to say good morning, it's um, Borida. That sounds almost French. It does, yeah, it does. Um, I was, I was a little bit of a rascal in school. <laughs> I preferred makeup than learning Welsh. So my Welsh teacher was straight up with my mum, like, she will not do Welsh. She likes her face too much. She sits in the corner of the room and does her face, <laughs> and she's wasting my time. Honestly, <laughs> so time. um, I didn't take Welsh, but I know like some Welsh, obviously, but. It is one of those things that I just feel like it has to be compulsory for Welsh schools to teach Welsh to our kids because it's like it is. I feel like it's a dying language, honestly, because where I'm from, they just you just not you don't hear it. And there are certain parts of Wales, for example, Caerphilly. Caerphilly is a place in Wales and there are a lot of Welsh speaking um, in there. Like I was in I was in a job with a friend from Caerphilly and her first language was Welsh. So she struggled to talk in English. Like she had to translate it from Welsh to English in her head. And we worked in a call centre together. So she was like, oh, I don't have to say this word in English, but I know to say it in Welsh. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because I'm like the opposite. Like I wouldn't be able to have a conversation in Welsh, but I've got aunties and uncles who can speak fluent Welsh, but I don't, I don't speak fluent Welsh. So it needs to be implemented more in Welsh skills, 100%. Wow. Do you think it's a dying language right now? Do you think it's not I feel, yeah. much? Oh, wow. Okay. And it's sad because, and as well, I, I think from my point of view as well, if I applied myself to learn that language, I probably would have been in a better position with my acting because there's so many, there's so many roles going for Welsh actresses, but speaking the Welsh language on Welsh channels. And I can't do those roles because I don't know Welsh as a Welsh woman. So yeah, I wish that when I was younger, I took it more seriously and I actually did learn Welsh because it is an important language to learn, especially when you're Welsh. 
And I don't know anybody that is from France or from Belgium that don't know their own language. So it's it's quite, I feel like it's embarrassing for me sometimes. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, so can you speak Welsh? And I'm like, yeah, I can say hello, good morning, Merry Christmas. Like <laughs> just generic things, but not... <laughs> Not not everything you'd wanna you'd wanna do. And I teach the kids sometimes. I teach them how to say thank you, teach them how to say please and good morning in Welsh. So sometimes when the registers go in, they they say Borada rather than good morning. Because they can if they want to. They look at me when they do it, it's like they want my approval. <laughs> so they'll look at me and they're like, Borada. And I'm like, Yeah, that's right, you did it. Good. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, it's Italian language, one hundred percent. Okay. Oh my God. Just blown away. You know what? That's a really beautiful language too. You know, it's kind of like the- it's a, It is. Yeah. It's mm. a really beautiful language. But like I said, because it is a dying language, I feel, this is my opinion now. I feel it's a dying language. I've got majority of my friends, bar one close friends are all Welsh. The only one who isn't is from Gloucester in, um, in England. Right. And yeah, it's just like none of us speak Welsh. <laughs> none of us. Yeah. And- but it's sad when you when you come to think of it. Like, why why don't we? Why don't we learn Welsh? And I mean, the other day I was thinking, oh, I'll learn another language. And I never thought I'll learn Welsh. Like, oh, I'll learn French or Spanish. Or I was going to learn Portuguese because we've got a, a four-year-old boy that's just started with us who just speaks Portuguese. And I feel so sad that he doesn't understand us. So I really wanted to go out of my way to learn some Portuguese for him. But never in my head was I thinking like, oh, learn your own language because that's kind of important. Right. And especially when I have children, I would want them to know my where they come from, that that they're Welsh, that they're half Welsh or whatever they end up being, because that's important. That's part of them. So I feel like I need to learn Welsh again right. because it is it is an important language that I am Welsh. I'm born and bred Welsh. I spent the majority of my life in Wales, mm. yet I don't know the language. I can't speak it fluently. Mm. Wow, man, that's a huge heads up for a lot of people out there who are living in their country, but they don't know, they're not whether, well, they're not sure whether they should, you know, pick up the, the main language. Well, I, this is a very unique situation, you know, um, you know, it's like being brought up in America and say, man, I'm not going to learn English. I'm going to learn Spanish to hell with all y'all. You know what I mean? It would yeah, be a little bit crazy, exactly. you know? So, um, wow, man, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing that. It's so fascinating. That's why I love it. I love the languages, <laughs> these cultural exchanges and everything. I think it's just mind-boggling. And of course, that school that you're working at, because you got a Portuguese student that went there, uh, well, that just mm-hmm. recently started studying there. So, man, it must be one heck of a school that you are working at. So I'm working at, like, our school is very multicultural, very diverse. Um, not any kid is the same, and I honestly can tell you that. We've got twins. We've got everyone from every different religion you could imagine. And it's absolutely wow, crazy. Awesome. Um, but it's beautiful. And and I also will say, growing up from where I grew up, I never, ever, ever seen a different race. I never seen a different culture. I was grew up in a very rural town, which was just full of white people. I never knew any other races until I started watching TV programs and stuff like that. So to actually be teaching at a school that I was never at, I never got to see all these different um, people, the way they look, the way they speak, the different, they I mean, these kids are four and they've got different accents. Right. And I'm like, this is crazy, but it's beautiful. And this is, this is what I, I wanted this growing up. I used to always say to my mom, like, why is everyone white? I don't get it. 
Like, <laughs> why is there's people on people on TV a different couple? Like, why are we all white? And she's like, well, I don't know, sweetheart. I love it. I never got it. I never got it. So moving to London um, and teaching kids that they just brighten my day. Honestly, they're just such beautiful kids. And it makes you realize that no matter their background, the color of their skin, where they've been brought up, their current home circumstances, like children are just so incredible. They're so incredible and so beautiful. And I never had what those kids were lucky enough to have. I was never, I never grew up in a, a multicultural place. And I'm very blessed that I've got extremely amazing parents that did teach me that, you know, we don't all look the same. There are there are black people, there are white people, um, you know, so I, I knew that, but there's a lot of kids that grew up with me that, that didn't know that. And honestly, that, I think that again is, that's another story again, but that again is a, a t- topic we could go on for forever. Right. But it's, it's growing up in such a small place and even coming from one part of Wales in Pembrokeshire to Cardiff, Cardiff's multicultural, Ooh. but that's like two hours down the road, still in Wales, but where I grew up, there was nothing. It was just it was just white faces everywhere. <laughs> no different culture, no different religions. It was like you're Catholic or Christian. That was it. It was nothing else. Oh so yeah, it's 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 a, it's beautiful being in London. I I absolutely love it, and I learn something new every day. I learn something every day, and they're from kids. I learn so much from kids. Wow. It's crazy. Man, that is just awesome. Boy, it's so interesting. Finally, speaking to someone from Wales, I've always thought about that country, and I'm like, how come no one speaks about? Wales or Scotland, you hear more about Scotland than you do Wales. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Oh, We're man. forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we are important. Uh, right, right. Okay. All right. Well, Lisa, you know what? Uh, for everyone who's interested in your acting and uh, they want to see you and check out your stuff and whatnot, how can they get in touch with you? And I'll be sure to put all your links and everything in the description. Yeah, awesome. So, I mean, I'm on every social media. My my biggest social media platform that I kind of share everything on within everything in my life is my Instagram. So it's at Lisa Michelle PUX. I'll send you the links. You can obviously link them below. Um, yeah, but that, that's kind of my main platform where I share. I, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm in the process of creating my own website because like you said at the beginning, I do too much. Yep. And it's just... I've got to have it all in one in one space. So yeah, I will be um I will be getting a website in order soon to kind of show my life, my crazy, fulfilling, amazing life, which I love right now. Right. But there is a lot going on with my life. So um at the moment, my Instagram is my kind of holy grail of sharing my life, I guess. So anything that I do, my acting, uh, my online business, my teaching, my fitness my inspiring which I hope I do um that is all on my Instagram yeah so I'll definitely give you the information for that to link it awesome all right and you know what I got a hell of an international crowd on here so if they're very interested you'll be getting people from all around the world tuned in so love it thank you so That's a beautiful much. thing <laughs> <laughs> man Lisa thank you so much for taking time out of your Easter it's Easter out there is it tomorrow it is. It's Easter Sunday tomorrow. Easter so Sunday tomorrow. Yeah, that's why I've got family coming down. I'm visiting loads of families today. And then we're having a barbecue because the Yay. sun is shining in Wales today. It is. It was it's really bright. It's, a, it's 20 degrees, which we never see 20 degrees in Wales. Right. So, um, 
I'm going to go outside. I'm going to get a lovely tan. I've got my niece downstairs who's one. So she's probably thinking, where's Auntie Lisa gone? But um, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy my day. And then we're going to have a nice turkey dinner tomorrow on oh, Easter Sunday. So I'm really looking so forward good. to it. Turkey. Oh, that sounds so good. Well, you know what? You enjoy your wonderful day, your wonderful turkey, your wonderful company. <laughs> I'm going to be taking my black behind the bed. And man, thanks again <laughs> for tuning in to... Uh, tuning in for the first time. And guys, that is the first time I brought someone on from Wales. I'm so grateful. And for all of you out there who've enjoyed this, uh, like it, share it, do as you will. Follow Lisa, send her messages in case you guys are interested in acting. I'm kidding. But yeah, go ahead. You know, it's all good. But, uh, yeah, with that being said, man, thanks so much for tuning in to another ESL podcast. Again, Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a lovely weekend. You absolutely know it. And guys, uh, stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Arsenio, as usual, over and out.